I visited grandma this past weekend, which was super entertaining. I love our grandma. She's a, she's a lovely spunky lady. Um, and she has become a lot more liberal in her later years, which is fun. And I didn't expect, but there are still some very traditional conservative opinions she holds. One of which was, I don't remember how we started talking about this, but when we were over there, she said something about how, oh, everybody living in sin with their partners before marriage. And I was like, oh, grandma, that is like the tamest thing I could do. You have no idea. <laughs> living with a partner before marriage is the least of your worries when it comes to me. <laughs> but okay, grandma. <laughs> what you should be worried about is me living with my partners after marriage, but in a giant polyamorous commune. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm not even going to get into it. Oh, man. <laughs> I remember one time last semester, I think we like went over and since it was still during COVID, we just like, she would sit in her room with her like window open, but a screen. And then we would just stand like six feet back from her window or maybe it was just on the phone, but I was talking with grandma and she was like, I don't even remember what, what it came up, but I was just like, I was taking a class last semester on like basically gender and economics. And I was like, oh, I was reading grandma and like, you know, it's so cool how like, you know, the microwave was like a feminist tool because like it freed up women from doing house labor. And she just got like, she's got real serious, just like, yeah. Yeah, it did. I'm like, oh, okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> it did. You have no idea. <laughs> you can read about it in books, but I lived it. <laughs> well, yeah, no. And especially like them living on a farm, like dad talks about like they didn't have indoor plumbing till he was like five. So like 1965. And she was born in like, what, 33. So like for the first 30 years of her life, she had to have outdoor plumbing. So, you know, I can imagine that was that had its difficulties. The technological advances that have occurred over time just in grandma's lifetime are wild like she was always her mind was so blown when she used to facetime me in budapest <laughs> and like when you were in barcelona she was like you're in another country and i can see your face wild <laughs> yeah well i think i've oh god i forget whose wedding it was at but we went to someone's wedding and it was in like this really tiny church and i don't even remember where it was but there was like a cemetery by it and i saw this one grave that was like someone born in like 19 like 05 and then lived to 2005 and it's like imagine wow. just like the difference between 1905 and 2005 and just like the fucking wild that's just wild that's just wild to me wild. but i have that my goal is to live to like 102 because i was born in 98 yeah. so if i can make it to what would it be 2100 yeah. then i'll have lived in three centuries so i am at a unique opportunity <laughs> i would have to live to 105 to do that it's doable though i mean it's possible people live to i mean especially life. with like technology you know technology i'm jen i'm liz and we're harmless harlots what does that mean to us, it means being open to having more than one relationship, however you define it, as long as everyone gives fully informed, enthusiastic consent. 
It's also an homage to our Polly Bible, The Ethical Slut, which we recommend if you want to learn more. We are enthusiasts, not experts in this field. So if you want to learn and explore along with us, we give you our knowing, enthusiastic consent to come along. So in um, studying relationship anarchy, I have realized, I don't, not just in studying this, but in, in doing this podcast and stuff too, I realize I'm a bit of a hypocrite because I talk about open communication and setting expectations and having those conversations and stuff. And typically with partners I do, but for whatever reason, Rick and I really haven't had a lot of those discussions. And I think it's because we we just blended really well. Like, And when, when Rick and I started, it was definitely a very like casual fling. Like there wasn't, I, I don't know, I didn't expect it to become what it became whatever whatever that is but yeah so we we haven't really had a lot of those discussions about setting expectations and defining terms and all that stuff and for the time we've been together that's largely worked in part because of covid because we've been in our little bubble so it hasn't mattered because like it's just the two of us so like i mean we did have some conversations obviously because while I was dating Rick I was also with you know Fred and Zach and other partners and we talked about that so we, we did have like the bare minimum of like discussions you need to have so that neither of us like surprised each other but I uh decided I'm going to initiate a discussion with him about relationship things and he's a lovely human so of course he was open to that and then when he you know was was open to that I was like well now I have to figure out what exactly it is that I want clarified because I don't <laughs> I don't even know <laughs> Like we've been operating very well, but we really haven't talked about a lot of stuff. So I'm, I'm in true nerd fashion. Um, I have an Excel spreadsheet of the things that I'm like, what do I need clarified? What are we, what are we, what are we doing? And I think the way I'm going to frame the conversation is like in terms of short-term, long-term things, because it is more likely than not that within the next couple of months, we will not be living in the same city anymore. So I think setting expectations for like when one or both of us moves to a different city, if that's not the same city, what, you know, do we want to do long distance at all? I mean, I'll, I'll probably like, you know, keep him as one of my many, what did I call them in the first episode? Long-term occasional lovers or whatever. But you know, if, if he wanted to try for anything, more than just, you know, I'll call you when I'm in the area type of thing. But so the bigger thing is like for the next next couple of months, like how do we want to operate as we're going out into the world? But I don't know. So I wanted to I wanted to I wanted to ask you what sorts of things you think I should clarify. Because part of what inspired me to initiate this discussion was I think there have been a couple instances where you've asked me things about my relationship with Rick and I've been like I don't know. We haven't talked about it. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I guess, guess we probably should. But now that I'm like actually planning this discussion, I can't remember what any of those things are other than I do remember labels was the one thing of like, what do I call him? And I think I already know the answer to that one is that like, they're not really anything other than like a friend. And like, if I introduce him to someone, I'll just say, this is Rick. I won't say this is my xyz rick i'll just say this is rick and if people ask yeah. what rick is in relation to me i'll be like oh he's a friend and we have sex and we're intimate and stuff i don't know i still like the term lover but i don't know if he likes that term so that's gonna be one of the things we talk Love about is boy. labels 
Lover boy. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, labels are weird because I think, as we mentioned in that one episode, we also seem to be going through parallel relationship developments because um, with Leah and I, it's like, I also have no clue what labels Oh, yeah, and you and Leah probably aren't going to be in the same city in a few months. We really do go through parallel experiences in our lives. I did not even think about this, but, like, yeah. Gosh, why are we living the same life in slightly different planes? Crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, so, I mean, I did have that one discussion where I told her, I was like, I care about you and I like what we're doing, but I cannot make you promises about the long term future because I don't know what I want. And we're both very bad at long term, long distance communication. Right. So, I think with Rick, most of the conversation I'm going to have is clarifying, like, for the next couple of months while we're still in the same city. Yeah, what yeah. Are we doing? But for labels, I mean, we also haven't discussed that because, I mean, I don't know, kind of with COVID, like what, what you said, like, it doesn't super, it hasn't super mattered because, like, we don't go anywhere and we don't see anyone because it is COVID. But, I mean, it also is just weird because, like, when you use labels, like, other, like, even if you define it with something within your relationship, like, other people have expectations based on the labels you use and so it's like I don't want other people in my relationship like I wouldn't say that we're keeping what we do secret because like we've told the people who it matters to like our inner circles Chuck knows and Danny knows oh wow I haven't talked about Danny in a while (laughs) mom like you and mom know um and Leah's sister knows but it's like outside of that it's like I don't know, like, what's the point of telling other people, like, it's not their business, and, like, we're not hiding it, but it's also, like, I don't feel the need to, like, post it on Facebook. Well, yeah, Um, I don't, that's, that's, and that's something I've been pet peeved by. I think that's part of why I never wanted to date in high school, because in high school, if you dated, you had to put it on Facebook, and I was like, I don't want this to be the only thing people are talking about in relation to me, like, I don't want this to be the biggest thing, like, it is a thing, but it's not, like, the most important thing, and I hate that we treat it like it's the most important thing, because it's not. Yeah, because, like, so, I don't know, it's kind of weird, because, like, how Leah and I met is we're in this same club at school, and so we are doing, like, virtual activities with the club, and we have met up with some of the people in the club in person since we live near campus. We just don't express physical affection when we're around them, and we don't, like, talk about it, because, like, I don't know. This is the thing where, like, I have this thing. When I got into my school, which is a very good school, I knew that, like, people would freak out about it. And I was like, I don't want to hide this thing particularly, but, like, I don't want attention because of it. So I literally, like, did not tell anyone for a month. And the only reason somebody found out was because a dickhead in my class literally hacked my computer and found the email and then told everybody about it because yeah. it's just like i don't want like well and in particular you hadn't even decided if you were going to that school you had yeah, just been admitted yeah. and you weren't even sure if you wanted to go yeah so you didn't want to tell people until you were sure you were going but then yeah yeah but it's like like i don't know it like i i, I like to say that like, i'm a very open person and like i'm obviously not ashamed of it it's just like I don't want to deal with other people's reactions because like that just takes emotional energy and I don't care. So yeah, no, I can understand why that's 
that makes it tricky and complex. So yeah. yeah, labels are funny. I think I mean regardless of what Rick and I decide in terms of labels, I think I'm not going to use a label as much as I can get away with it. Like again, if people ask, I'm like, this is Rick, and I will not offer any sort of like, he is my Linda. He this is Rick. He is an independent human from me. He does not exist solely in relation to me. He is his own autonomous being. Treat him as such. Uh, back to your original question about what you should clarify. Yes. I mean, there's this whole thing in polyamory with like rules versus boundaries mm-hmm. and boundaries are th- lines you draw around yourself mm-hmm. and rules are things you impose on other people. Mm-hmm. So like a boundary is like, I don't do anal sex. Like that's a boundary <laughs> you can have, but right. a rule is like, like what I've seen on the poly pages is like, a, like one partner made a rule that their male partner could not come inside of another partner even if they were using condoms so that's a rule and like in the polyamory community the general thing is like you can have healthy boundaries and like if you guys agree upon rules sure but also like making rules for other people gets into the boundary of like not respecting their autonomy and trying to control people. Yeah. So, I mean, I think... Well, I don't like, like, with the the rule of, like, you can't come inside another person. Yeah. I, I think if I was going to... Well, first of all, I don't think I would make a rule like that. But if I was going to make a rule like yeah. that, it would, it would instead be framed as, like, I would prefer it if you did not come inside another person. And yeah. if you do, I would like you to tell me and we will talk about what that means. Not like you can't do this because like obviously they can. Like it would be more framed as like I would prefer it if you didn't. And if you do, let me know and we'll talk about it. Yeah. So that's what's more like a boundary. Like boundaries are about you and like things that happen to you. So like I think when you're talking with Rick, the thing is like you can express what you want what you like and then I don't know just kind of see where he's at with that like I don't know I mean that's not very concrete but that's really just all that comes to mind is like you just have to say like what you want and then other people communicate what they want and if it's compatible then good (laughs) like yeah I mean, we do that a fair bit. I just feel like there's a lot of things we haven't talked about. Like, I don't know. I just, I feel like we've had a lot of interactions where you've asked me a thing about my relationship with Rick and I've been like, I don't know. (laughs) We haven't talked about it. But now I can't think of any of those things now that I'm actually initiating this discussion. (laughs) Now my mind is blank and I'm like, well, crap, I can't remember any of the things that I wanted to know. So the things I have on my list that I want to clarify. So the one one is labels, like what labels are you comfortable with? What are you not comfortable with? And then obviously setting the boundary for me of like, I'd prefer to not use labels as much as we can, but like in the instance where like we are asked or, you know, we're in some situation where we need to, what do we want to use? A, I guess a boundary I have set for myself is that I have realized in all of my polyamorous relationships, I always tell my partners when I am with other people whether they have asked me to or not and, and perhaps that's something i should ask too is whether or not he actually wants to know oh okay so like you're saying when you're in a po- well i i didn't understand the like syntax of your sentence you're, you're saying when you're like when you have multiple partners your multiple partners know about all the other partners yes correct yeah so and like- i always do that but i guess one of the things i should ask him is if he actually wants to know those things because i know some people prefer mm-hmm. not to know and i always assume yeah. everyone does um, so I've, you know, been telling him about everyone, but some people, you know, might prefer not to. So one of the things I'm going to ask is like, you know, when I'm with other people, 
do you want me to tell you those things or do you not mm-hmm. care slash not want to know? I have also realized that I tend to assume other people are also doing that. Like they're also telling me when they've been with other people. And I think Rick has done that most of the time, but I think there've been a few instances where like he's been talking to a girl and I haven't found out until like a month or so in. And that's fine. Like I don't super care, but I think I would prefer it if I knew sooner and not like immediately, right? Like I don't need him to tell me like, Mm -hmm. as soon as you meet a girl, if you're interested, I need to know. Like, no, I'm not. But like, you know, if it's getting serious or if he, especially if he has sex with someone, I think I'd want to know. And I think he has up until this point told me other people he's had sex with every time. Um, But I don't actually know that because I didn't ask him to do that. And I realized I'm like, I probably should have clarified that I would prefer to know those things. But it's weird and it feels so demanding to be like, tell me, I don't know. I I hate being (laughs) demanding because I was socialized as a woman and it's hard to ask for things that I want because I was taught to just be complicit and not want anything. (sighs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think... So what you were talking about with, like, if your other partners want to know about your other partners. So there's this thing that I've read on the poly pages called, like, it's called a don't ask, don't tell policy. Mm-hmm. And so there are some people who are like, you know, I'm with you. And, like, if you have other partners, that's great. I don't want to know about them. And it could right. range from, like, disinterest to, like, you know, disgust, which right. that might be on an unhealthier end. But, like, there are some people who are like, if you have other partners, that's totally cool. I just don't really care to know about those relationships. So like, that's totally cool. I mean, I do think you definitely like need to have that conversation before like instigating that kind of policy, because like, you know, you should obviously tell people like I have other partners, you know? Yeah. Like that, because like if a, if you're going in, like, (laughs) (laughs) like if there are the presence of other partners, like obviously if you've never discussed anything about that, then like you should tell people and then if they're like, okay, yeah, but that's cool. But I don't care. Then that's fine. But like, I just want to say that like, you know, you obviously shouldn't hide your partners from the other partners if you've never talked about that. So that's what I was trying to say there. Right. Um, And I don't think either Rick or I have done that at all, but I think mm -hmm. there've just been a couple of times when Rick has definitely been semi-serious talking to other women and I haven't found out about it until later than I would have preferred and I don't know yeah I mean again I, I don't think he was hiding anything but I think no, I think in Rick's yeah. mind maybe the bar <laughs> of like when to tell me things is is yeah. higher than where no, my definitely. bar is I don't know definitely. I don't know it's such a weird <laughs> ugh, having feelings is weird I don't know <laughs> Well, I mean, definitely, I think, like, common practice in polyamory is, like, especially with sexual partners, like, yeah. you should tell, like... Well, and he's definitely, you- with sexual partners, he's definitely told me. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so that's good. But, I mean, like, as for, like, on the spectrum of, like, don't ask, don't tell, and to, like, when to, you know, inform someone about another partner, I think that is just kind of personal preference, you know? Well, and like- to be fair, I think he very well may have told me at the correct times for all of these relationships or whatever you want to call them with other women. But I think in part because we haven't had this conversation yet where I have explicitly said, like, you know, if you're getting mildly serious with someone, I do kind of want to know about it. I think that's where some of my insecurity is Mm -hmm. coming from because, like, I haven't told him that I want to know. So Mm -hmm. I think he, he very well may have been operating the way that I want him to operate already, 
but we just haven't spelled that out explicitly, which is part of why I've been insecure about it. Is like, how long has he been with yeah. this girl? Like, would he tell me if he was like falling in love with somebody else? And like, he, he probably would, but I don't know. I think I think clarifying things yeah. will ease some of my insecurities. So this will be a good conversation to have. No, yeah, I think that's definitely a good thing to like clarify and to like as to like. I mean, I don't like as to when you want to know. Like, I don't really know. Like, if you like. The difference between wanting to know like the day of versus like oh only if it's a month like i don't know if that nece- like i don't think that necessarily has to stem from insecurity because like it is like a big factor in their life and if like a new large player is coming into play then like it just makes sense to like want to know about something right. major that's going on in your partner's life yeah and i don't so think i, I mean, would put a time stamp on it i don't think i would be like you know some people have like a three date rule of like oh once you go on three dates with the girl like that's when something happened i don't fucking know like i would i would definitely leave it up to his discretion of Mm -hmm. like you know whatever you think it's relevant for me to know about i would like to know about it like it can be day one if you want it to like i love talking about other partners like if you meet a girl and you're excited and you want to just talk about it like i'm down to do that too like it can be day one if you want but like i don't know no i think that's totally valid I'm also curious, I'm curious, does Rick, I feel like we we talked about with Zach, but does Rick kind of now at all identify with any sort of poly identity? Because... Yeah, that's the thing I should add to the list, isn't it? Because <laughs> it's another <laughs> well, one of those things because, where I think... Well, just saying, you said, like, you've mentioned before that, like, while you guys were, you know, somewhat involved, he had also been with another person so and now i mean he listens to this podcast and he like is with you so like i'm just curious where what i don't know what what does he think (laughs) yeah well and i've i've said this before with i think i said it in relation to zach but like we've been practicing polyamory effectively for the entirety of our whatever it is we're doing but you know, doing something and identifying is something are very different things. So like, just because, you know, Rick and I have been seeing each other intimately and sexually and also other people intimately and sexually at the same time, doesn't necessarily mean he identifies as polyamorous or like wants this to be like a long-term lifestyle thing. And I don't know if that necessarily matters because again, we're going to be in different cities in a couple of months, most likely. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's possible we won't, but most likely we will. So I don't know if it really matters to me what he wants in the long term. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, that would be a good thing for me to know, I suppose. I will add it to the list. He did really like Mm -hmm. Relationship Anarchy, and that tends to be somewhat correlated with (laughs) polyamory. Jackie's partner was was super excited about Relationship Anarchy, because he's (laughs) he's an anarchist in general. He's like a political anarchist. (laughs) And so he was like, Relationship Anarchy? Another thing to be an anarchist about! Yes! (laughs) I mean, no. I think those all sound like good things. And I mean, if you guys are setting up a meeting time, then I imagine he'll bring things he wants to talk about. Um, I imagine he will too, yeah. It's an ongoing conversation, so there's no never like an iron curtain coming down. So if something pops up, you can't always just bring it up. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to get like a good, like solid, comprehensive list of like here are things that we have not talked about. We probably should have by this point, but we just haven't because life has been weird for the last year. Yeah. If that's all you wanted to talk about, that I do have something that can transition off of that, but yeah. I want you to. Unless you have any other thoughts, because I, I was hoping you would have more ideas because you're the one who generally asks me things, and I'm like, I don't know. And you're like, you should know that. And I'm like, I should know that. I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> I think you could go back and listen through the podcast and see oh, what's going on. It takes up. so long. I was um, hoping you would just remember. 
I mean, yeah. I mean, the exercise you could do is you could like think of your ideal like setup. Like if with Rick, I had this ideal setup of things, like my ideal relationship with Rick, what does that look like for my end? And you can like show him that and be like, this is like my ideal. What does that look to you? Like, how does that look to you? What do you like? What do you not like? So that's an exercise you could do. But I mean, it really just depends on like what you want. Like, if I don't know what I want, Jen, I need to figure out what I want. It's hard. I don't know. I don't know what I want. I need to do a lot of self reflection, but it's hard because I don't know. Yeah, well, I can empathize with you because that is me in my current job search, but I unfortunately do not have much else to. I have no ability to tell you what you want. But I mean, I do think that clarifying is always very healthy for a relationship. So I applaud and encourage you. <laughs> I just feel like I'm going to show up and like ask him two things. and He's going to give me an answer. And I'll be like, well, that was it. I don't know what else I need. <laughs> and then that's fine. And then you can have dinner or bang and call it a night. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, okay. Anyway, what was your, what was your thing? Well, I was just saying it was interesting that you said you were a hypocrite because I had been thinking about about myself recently. (laughs) We're all hypocrites. (laughs) We're all hypocrites. We're all idealists, but fall short of our ideals. Like, yeah, I mean, we do. I do think we like believe in a lot of these ideals we talk about, but it is hard and icky and gross to do them in practice. But I thought it was funny because, I mean, I'm fairly new to the physical intimacy scene. But I mean, you know, I I preach asking for what you want and honest, open communication and like honesty over harmony. But like Leah and I were doing a thing and she did a thing and I like flinched and she was like, did that hurt? And I was like, I mean, like a little bit. And she was like, I've done that a lot. Has it hurt every time? <laughs> and I'm like, like not a lot oh like, my god and she was like jen just tell me and i was like i know i should tell you i know in my mind i should tell you i know that i should tell you i am aware and i know but like there is something that physically blocks it from leaving my body and the like, roles have and, reversed and, and, like, well no it's so funny because like in all like emotional matters i'm always the one who's like we need to talk about this we need to lay this out and like She's the one who, like, will never bring anything up. But then on the physical side, she is very good at asking for what she wants and telling me what she likes and, like, communicating. And she's great at it. And, like, I'm bad. (laughs) I'm I'm worse at it. And, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think it's, I don't know. I'm So what we talked about last time with the sexual accelerators and breaks, it comes from this book called Come As You Are, which is, like, about sex and pleasure and stuff. And like she talks a lot about, you know, stuff that like, like the development of your sexuality and stuff and like how critical childhood moments can affect it. And I've, I've definitely told the story before, but essentially I got caught watching porn as a child and my parents reprimanded me and I'm very much a rule follower and that emotionally traumatized me for a long time. <laughs> so I don't know if that's connected, but it just like, I don't know, I'm just blocked in so many aspects. And so like, I'm working on it to be better, but I just want to recognize that I am also a hypocrite because while I preach open, honest communication, I do fall short. It's so. hard. Well, especially, <laughs> I, I feel like a lot of, women struggle with like the with the orgasm gap that's what they call it is the orgasm gap is like 
a lot of women in heterosexual sexual encounters do not finish and will just like lie and be like, yeah, I totally finished, whatever. I'm not going to worry about it. And I am super guilty of this. I don't know if I ever lied about it when I first started having sex because the guys didn't usually ask. Um, <laughs> so I think it was just kind of assumed and I was like, Meh. And then, you know, as uh, I started becoming more feminist and, you know, reading literature and stuff, there's a big movement for like, no, you need to like tell the men what you want and teach them how to please you. And like your orgasm is just as important as theirs and blah, blah, blah. And I have done that with many men and it's fine, but it's also exhausting. Like it's a lot of yeah. effort for me to like instruct people on how to make me come. And sometimes that is just not what I'm in the mood for. Like, I'm like, I do not want to put in energy into this like i will experience pleasure with you and that'll be great and then you'll leave and i will make myself orgasm and that will be easier for me i don't lie about it like yeah. if they ask if i came and i didn't i'm gonna be like yeah no i didn't but i'm not in the mood to like teach you how to make this happen it's also gotten easier with yeah. time because like as i don't think i came in the presence of another man until <laughs> i had had like dozens and dozens of partners and when i did start like you know, putting energy into instructing people what to do and, you know, putting energy into getting myself in an emotional headspace where I could come with another person. It did get easier with each partner and like, it's, I have a lot less trouble with it now. So like the investment of time was worth it and it's good, but it is hard and it takes a lot of like energy to make it happen. Cause like, yeah. again, generalizing and maybe I shouldn't, but like, in my experience of making men versus women come, men are so fucking easy most of the time. Like, men, you just, like, touch them however, and they're like, this is the most amazing thing that has ever happened. And then they come <laughs> in, like, 30 seconds. And women are very complicated. And this is not true of everyone. I have had men who mm -hmm. it has been more difficult to make come. I have had men who were very particular and have taken longer, and I've had women who were easier. But in aggregate... The, the large scale trend is that women are just it's hard <laughs> everybody has different preferences and like you really should just ask but like I don't know it's 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 hard it's hard you're right it's hard. yeah it's hard there's a lot of energy yeah, yeah. sometimes I just don't want to put in the energy to coming with yeah. another partner and I just don't do it yeah and I mean like me being new to the physical intimacy scene like I am discovering what I like and like at the beginning Leah was like what do you like and I was like I have no fucking clue like I've never done this before like, try stuff and I'll tell you what I like so like I don't know it, I, I always come back to like it boggling me how one night stands works because like it literally is just like like in my opinion sex is so much communication because it has to be like you have to figure out what the other person likes and they have to tell you most of the time most of the time because <laughs> it's so funny because when you said you like faked orgasms it is it's just so funny i never faked orgasms okay okay well when you mentioned them. faking when you mentioned faking orgasms <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me i think i would be very bad at that because <laughs> something that's just lee and i are incredibly different because she, because I I don't know if this is because I'm a bottom a pillow princess or I'm sexually repressed but like I even if I'm like very excited I am very still like I am like I'll be doing stuff but like it's just kind of like it's very contained which is also just me as a person and so like I'm pretty much like very still and like non-reactive that's okay so that's the thing like like if I 
like it's very easy to know what Leah likes because she is responsive. Whereas like when she does something to me, if I like it or if I don't, you can't tell because like <laughs> if it feels good, like I'll feel it, but like I won't like show that in any way. Yeah. So like I'm not expressive, I guess is the word. I'm not see, very expressive. I'm overly expressive, which has led to the whole see, I have never faked orgasms. When I experience pleasure, I am communicative about the fact that I am experiencing pleasure. And I think that's part of experiencing pleasure for me is like uh not vocal I don't vocalizing something i don't know but i'm I'm very expressive and so that a lot of people have thought like oh you're faking an orgasm i'm like no i am expressing that i am experiencing pleasure you are mistaking that for climaxing when that's not what happened that's on you (laughs) so 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 leah is very much the same way right and so i think it's an extrovert thing because you like high touch high need people leah was like basically she was like I don't know, like any sensation is like good. And I'm like, I'm very much the opposite. I need very particular and very <laughs> sensation in certain ways in certain spots. So I think it's an extrovert thing that y'all are just touch hungry. But like, anyway, I was saying, I don't think I could fake orgasm because like, as I said, like I am literally just completely unexpressive until like I come and then I'm like, you know, much more expressive but like nothing until that moment and i don't think i could fake that in any sort of way so i'm just saying i could probably never fake an orgasm so (laughs) i don't know i if i studied myself although i don't know if there's a difference between my expression when i orgasm versus when i'm just having like very intense pleasure and i mean what is an orgasm other than very intense pleasure i don't know i do when it's like a good one i like shake and stuff but like there are also other instances in which i'll shake so i don't know if there is like a distinction (laughs) And I also think sometimes I'm not super sure when I'm with a partner if I have come because like it feels different when there's a dick in you <laughs> and it also feels different like when just when there's somebody else there it feels different for some reason I don't know it is hard for me to distinguish sometimes between like was that an orgasm I think so I don't see for me it is it's there's a very clear line <laughs> like if, <laughs> if I did I know so yeah. um, <laughs> But something that it reminded me of is in the same book I was reading, they talked about sexual non-concurrence, which is essentially like when your mental state does not match like your genital state. And they said that it occurs like 50% of or like probably just in 50%. I don't know if it was in 50% of men or 50% of the time in men, because the stat was 10% for women. So, but like essentially like either 50% of men or 50 per, or 50% of the time for men and then 10% of the time for women, like what your mental state is does not match like, you know, the blood flow and like the lubrication level of your genitals. Yeah. Well, and I think I was reading something a while back about how like for women, like lubrication is not super correlated with arousal, which like a lot of women struggle with lubrication and like that's why lube is your friend i on the other hand though am like always wet 100 percent of the time and it's annoying as hell because i have to like wear two pairs of underwear every day it's awful do you actually do that yeah i i am just wet all the time like it's just i don't know maybe i should talk to my doctor about it i don't know, I don't know maybe <laughs> I don't, i've never heard of other people doing that <laughs> So maybe I don't you know. wear, like a, a, a panty liner, like those day liners. That yeah, I used help. to. I used to do that in in high school. Um, I would just wear those even when I wasn't on my period because it was just damp all the time. <laughs> huh. Interesting. 
Anywho, uh, there was a <laughs> there was a train to this. Oh, right. So other women, though, it's like totally random when they're wet and not. So like when they're aroused, like they're not necessarily lubricated. So lube is your friend and we like lube. But yeah, and with dudes too, like random boners are definitely a thing a lot of men talk about is like they'll in a situation where they're not aroused at all, they'll get a boner and they're like, why? What? What? Why? <laughs> I don't want to have sex right now. Why is this here? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that could be... You know, it could be sexual non-concurrence, but back with what we talked about last time, it could be very sensitive accelerators and very low sensitivity brakes. So, like, even when you want to stop, it's like, I can't. I have no brakes. This is a runaway car. (laughs) So maybe you just have no brakes, Liz. (laughs) My sexuality is I have a very, very sensitive accelerator and no brakes. It's great. It's a great time. They cut the brakes. <laughs> <laughs> there were never any brakes to begin with. Um, this this car, car does not have brakes. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Okay, okay, kind of related. It's always a fun game I play with how I can segue into the different things I want to talk about. But so Leah and I started watching Shadow and Bone on Netflix. Oh, Netflix has been pushing like, me on that and it looks so dumb and I don't want to watch it. Yeah, it's, it's like not that great. It. Like, it's like a very cheesy, high fantasy, like, yeah. it's, skip it, it's fine. But anyway, one of the plot lines is this girl gets kidnapped by this tr- group of, like, slavers, essentially, but then, like, she ends up, like, their shipwrecks, and so she ends up stranded with one of the guys, and so they're, they have, like, a romance line, right? And, like, her whole thing is she's, like, he he he's like very you know proper and like she's very like sexually free and so he like calls her lewd um and anyway but like she keeps like making like even when they're like arguing she'll like you know you know say like oh yeah you hunk of muscle but no brain or like how tall he is so like she keeps like making physical compliments and so it made me think because like People will talk about, like, physical attraction a lot, right? And so maybe this is just the pandemic whatever in me, but it just seems so weird to me to be attracted to a body because I feel like the body is the tool and is a lot less important than, like, how the tool is used because like sex is an act right and so it's like you could be the hottest person in the world but if you don't know what you're doing or very doing things then it's like who cares because like i don't know like if the point of physical attraction is physical into is eventually leading to physical intimacy which like maybe doesn't always have to but like it just seems like weird because like why would you be attracted to like i don't know like use it like this like there's a bunch of shovels and say one is really pretty but like you want the one that's like actually gonna do the job right <laughs> like it doesn't matter how it looks it matters how it works <laughs> yeah but like that's true i mean but when you say like who's using the tool that matters more when that person is the top whereas like if i am a top it's more how i, I can use the tool not like <laughs> I it doesn't really matter what they do there, i can use it <laughs> i can take the pretty shovel and dig a very a nice hole bias. <laughs> bottom bias i don't know i think i definitely experience physical attraction upon meeting people like i definitely am attracted to bodies but for me when i know someone for a longer period of time my 
feelings toward them physically have a lot to do with my feelings toward them emotionally. And maybe that does put me slightly on the demisexual spectrum. I don't know. But like, I've had people who I've met and been like, oh my God, you are the epitome of gorgeousness. Holy shit. And then I get to know them and they're just like mm-hmm. dumb or mean or, you know, something. And I look at their body and I'm like, you know, you weren't that attractive to begin with. Like, I really didn't. And on the flip side, I've met people who I've been like, meh, you all right. And then they're like amazing people. And I'm like, wow, you are gorgeous. How <laughs> did I not see this before? You are incredible. So I do think my my level of physical attraction to people is somewhat dependent upon my emotional attraction to them as well. But I also definitely, upon meeting people at first glance, have attraction to bodies. See, I don't know what this is. I don't know if it's demisexuality or pansexuality, but it's like, seeing people does nothing for me. Like, I need to know you as a person. Uh, seeing like, people does so much. When I, the my <laughs> metric for, so I'm obviously not straight and, like, attracted to women, but when I get, like, a glass or two of alcohol in me, my metric for when I know I am drunk is I cannot stop staring at boobs. And, like, <laughs> thank God I am a non-threatening looking woman because I just, as soon as I get drunk, I'm just like, boobs, 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 everywhere, boobs, boobs, boobs. And I just, I, I am very conscious that I try not to do it because it's objectifying. And I, as a woman myself, know that, like, a lot of women don't like it. And they're, but, but boobs, Jen, when I'm drunk, I just, boobs, boobs. <laughs> I um that did remind me. I I did talk to Danny this week and he went up he's living at home but he went up to his school to work tech for a a dance show because one of his friends was in the show and then like he met all the dancers and they thought he was cool so he got all their numbers which is why he is the most fucking charismatic person in the world and it's he doesn't get that and it drives me insane but anyway but apparently a lot of them were gay and so in like their group chat they like started discussing sexuality and he was like oh yeah something about sexuality like my friend jen told me this and then I don't know how it led to it, but he sent them a picture of me. And so when we were talking, he was like, oh, yeah. And all the gay girls from the dance troupe said that you're cute. And I was like, oh, well, that's nice. That's validating. And then I was like, wait a second, Danny, you're not on social media at all. And we don't take pictures together. What picture of me do you have? <laughs> what picture did you show them? <laughs> and do you want to know what it fucking was? It is from... Two Halloweens ago, when I dressed up as a Dalmatian for Halloween, and I don't even know why he has that photo, but that was the photo he had, so that's the photo he sent to them of me dressed up as a Dalmatian. And so, so yeah, so that was his choice. So he sent them that photo, and he was like, yeah, they said you were cute, but kind of in a femboy way. (laughs) And I was like, okay, no, I okay. And it made me realize, I was like, I think I think femboy is like a very good description of like me. Like I'm not what, obviously what is the like so femboy is like okay, hold on. Let me look up a definition. Is it like a see. boy who is more feminine? Yeah, essentially. But like it's really only used in like sexual content <laughs> contexts. Like, unless somebody specifically comes to you and says, I'm a femboy, I would not just attach that label to people without their consent. Okay. Femboy, an adolescent male whose appearance and behavior traits are regarded as conventionally feminine. So, like, it's kind of the opposite of a tomboy, but it's, like, 
also kind of its own aesthetic. Like it's kind of a slightly feminine look on kind of a slightly male canvas. So, but I don't know, that that makes a lot of sense for me because I am non-strawberry as we discussed. <laughs> so I, I do go for a much I'm a blueberry. <laughs> I'm a blueberry. Non-binary is the joke for people who didn't hear last week. I'm a non-blueberry. <laughs> I'm a non-blueberry. So I do fall like in the middle of the spectrum. But um, I don't know. That makes a lot of sense to me because like, I don't know, I am very much into like gay male erotica and porn aromas, which I know a lot of women are, but like, I really like that shit. And also, like, I have commonly, like, fell for gay guys, and it is so unfortunate, which, as I've just, it's the reason I really want to destroy gender and sexuality so that the gay men will consider me as a potential option. <laughs> but it's, um, and I think I also mentioned this back then, but one of the authors of The Ethical Slut wrote a book called Girl Fag, I think, yeah. which is essentially about, like, the identity of, like, I... Like, I'm going to get it wrong, but essentially, like, being a woman, but being attracted to gay men. So, so yeah, I don't know. So, like, when they when Danny's friend said I was a femboy, I was like, okay. I took it as a compliment. So, anyway, yeah, that's just what I was getting around to say. <laughs> but I, I remember we mentioned in the last episode, I mentioned that, like, Leah likes gossip a lot more than I do. And I don't know if just google is listening to me through my phone i've already submitted to the ai overlord so it doesn't matter <laughs> but i saw a tiktok that was like it was this woman and she was basically like gossipers have like a bad reputation but that's just because like patriarchy used to you know spend a lot of their time talking with other women and like having lots of knowledge about the going ons of like their social communities was like gave them a lot of power and so like i have not researched this at all this is just what a tiktok said but then she was like but then men wanted to take away this power so they like cast gossiping as like a very bad thing and like that's why it's looked de- looked down upon so that could be one ask gossip can be detrimental in some ways if it's used negatively but just saying like oh you know danny you know gwen's boy had a baby like oh that's great as opposed to being like Kathy is such a slut. Like there are different ways of doing it. I'm not saying all gossip is good, but that was interesting. So related to last podcast. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think there is a lot of power in just like talking to people and making connections and stuff. Actually, this is such a random connection. But so when <laughs> Zach and I were breaking up, we talked about a lot of things because we broke up over an eight-hour car ride. So there were a lot <laughs> of things we had time to talk about. But one of the things he asked me, I don't know how this was related to our breakup, but one of the things he asked me was what I thought the meaning of life was and like the point of life. And he was like, I feel like the standard like cliche answer is like to be happy and like happiness and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't know, like happiness is cool. And after like discussing it for a while, the conclusion that I came to is that I think the point of life is making connections and like, like, I don't know, like, the the things I find most fulfilling, not necessarily the happiest, but, like, the most fulfilling are, like, the connections and relationships I build with other people, and, like, I don't know, even just, like, the short-term, like, paths that I cross, like, when we were on the road trip, there was this old man at a rest stop who, I was reading my book on a bench while Zach was out having a smoke, and uh, this old man- 
Yeah, that was one of the points of contention in our relationship. <laughs> I didn't like that he smoked either. <laughs> but anyway, so Zach was having a smoke and I was on a bench reading a book waiting for him. And uh, this old man was like coming out of the rest stop and he just like saw me and asked if he could like sit down and chat. And I was like, on the one hand, I'm a woman, you are a larger male, I could be hurt. But also, like, he was fairly old, I was like, I could take him. And, like, Zach's not that far away, I'm safe, it's fine. So I was like, sure. So he, like, sat down, and he, like, told me his fucking life story about how he had, like, just recovered from cancer, and he and his wife were taking this road trip to celebrate the fact that he hadn't died, and, like, all this stuff. And I was like, wow! (laughs) And it was just such a cool, like conversation and at the end of it he just left and we parted ways but i was like wow i'm really like at the end i think i said something like thank you for sharing part of your life with me like that was really cool like (laughs) i don't know and like those those interactions are so interesting um so yeah i decided at least for me i think the the meaning of life or the point of life is just to make connections and stuff i think there is a lot of power in like networking and can't help people get what they want without knowing who they are and what they want so like i can potentially swerve back around to the meaning of life which you dropped into the conversation at 50 minutes into the call but um (laughs) what you were talking about when like the thought process you had when like a man asked to sit down next to you i am i saw i saw this tiktok that was like this guy and he was like i asked men what they thought was equivalent to women's fear of being raped, which is like a systemic and murdered. Don't forget murder. They also kill us. (laughs) And so he was like, so he was like, you know, a lot of the answers were crap, but like, these were the three most common ones. And one of them I think is valid. And like, one of them was like the fear of not measuring up, as like, I don't know, a man or something. And the guy was like, this is a fear, but like, you know, this is something that like you can do and it's not the fear of somebody doing something to you. So like, I don't think this is like equivalent. And then there was a second thing much I don't remember, but he was like, and then this third thing that people, that guys submitted is the only thing that I do think is similarly like systemic and like based on your identity and like deadly. And he was like, I think the equivalent of the societal women's societal fear of being like raped and murdered is the same as what black men feel towards the police mm. of like being killed by police. And I was like, yeah, 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 that's, yeah. that's right. I was really curious where you were going to go with that. I was like, yeah. I, you're not going to convince me men have it as bad as women. And you said that. And I was like, Oh no. Yeah, actually that's <laughs> yeah. Black men might have it as bad as women. That's yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, so swerving back around. Um, <laughs> um, right. You right. <laughs> the meaning of life. Interesting. Um, I mean, I've discussed this a lot and I don't know that I've got anywhere with it, but like the quote, the Dalai Lama quote, that's like the meaning of life is happiness and just figuring out what that is for you, which is like generic, but like whatever. But I mean, it also is like me with this theory of like, a body like an autonomous body will do what it wants because like that's kind of like like even if like you're doing something that you don't particularly want to do like most of us do have free will to some extent so you will do what you want so like most people pursue the things that give them the most happiness whatever you want that to call i read the four hour work week by tim ferris and he was like he also brought up the meaning of life and he was like to, for a question to be answerable, you have to define all of its terms. Therefore, you have to define meaning and define life. 
and those two things aren't really definable. Therefore, the question is pointless. So just find, just do whatever makes you God like. Damn, happy. that is such mathematician logic. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you so have to find the parameters of the question. Therefore, I cannot prove this theorem because they're a. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So his thing was kind of like he was like what's the point of answering this question like do what you find is fulfilling and meaningful to you and like live your life like who cares about these big you know enigmatic questions so yeah i don't know what my what is my particular meaning of life but as for yours i mean humans are pretty much the dominant species because we are social creatures so like social sociality is weird which is why this pandemic has been total shit yes Um, it has it really 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 has yeah the extroverts are not okay. We're really not. <laughs> the all my all my homies that are extroverts and our love language is physical touch. We're not okay. <laughs> I mean, I am an introvert, but I identify as an extroverted introvert and like I don't know, like even when I do go out and just like see people that I already know, I'm like or even just like I was walking in the park one day and there were people around, but like I wasn't going to go talk with them any obviously and I was just like I just miss like meeting people. Just like, yep. do you remember when we took our road trip and there was that we we ran into the same? Yeah, you remember this <laughs> when we? Oh gosh, we were hiking in a canyon and this guy stopped as we were taking a photo. Like a photographer. And, like, yeah, he, he was, was a like, photographer and he gave us like recommendations, like this is the best spot to like get a good picture. He was a super sweet guy. And then we ran into him later hiking a different canyon. And I was like, oh, it's the same, it's the same person. We ran into him again. Oh my gosh, we made a friend. And it was the most exciting thing that had ever happened to me in like the whole year. And I was so happy about it. I was like, this is what I've been missing is these connections. Lizzie is not telling the whole story. I will tell the whole story. So we, we met that man. I agree that happened. Then we were in a different canyon in a very different part of the park, and we passed a person who had sunglasses on. It and was the same could, guy! It could have been. You do not know that. You do not know that for it sure. It was the same guy. We don't know. No one knows. And Lizzie was just like, oh, hi there. How are you doing? And I'm like, why are you talking to this complete stranger? So this the, the, the workings guy. of the introvert versus the extrovert mind are very different. Liz was like, oh, this kind of looks like the same guy. Oh, let me talk to him. And I was like, was, not okay. a no, no, no. It was the same guy, therefore I'm not going to address him. You are not going to convince me it wasn't the same guy. It was the same. I have no fate. We had seen him less than an hour beforehand. It was the same guy. Anyway, anyway, the end, the beautiful end of the story is that we passed the guy (laughs) and we kept walking in the canyon. And right after that happened, I was like, Elizabeth, I would have, like, I just, a part of me died from embarrassment from what just happened. (laughs) And Lizzie was like, Jen, this is what extroverts live for. And like 10 minutes down the canyon, there's this little hole in the wall and it's just a cute little like gen sized hole and i crawl into it just nice all and curled in my little cave hole and i'm like this is what introverts live for <laughs> being alone in our uh, little caves and it's not having to interact with anyone <laughs> it's funny that you say a part of you died because when when rick and i were hiking in the mountains there was this moment where we had reached the end of the trail and it was this big, like kind of, there was a big mountain face right in front of us. It was a big open area and there were hikers behind us. And one of them yelled out a lyric to Hercules and it was, 
I can go the distance. So he just yelled out, I can go the distance. And so I, being me, yelled back and was like, I don't care how far. And then they responded, somehow I'll be strong. And we went back and forth and finished the song. And it was a super cool moment of like people applauded and it was great. And later that night I was talking to Rick and he was saying, he was like, yeah, when you did that, like, I just like part of me like died. And at the time I thought he meant like it was so cool. Like he was so excited. He like died of excitement. And then later I was recounting the story to Jackie and Jackie was like, Lizzie, Rick is an introvert. He definitely died of embarrassment. He was not happy you did that. And I was like, oh, you're probably right. But I thought it was super fucking cool. Maybe that's one of the things I have to clarify with Rick when we have our conversation is whether or not he died of embarrassment or he died of it was such a cool thing. Because I thought it was so fucking cool. I can agree that that was cool. But introvert and extrovert brains are just wired completely differently. Because, like, y'all, y'all don't understand. Y'all are leeches. Y'all are fucking leeches. And, like, us introverts go out into the world, and then you guys crawl out and you just suck away our soul until we have to go (laughs) back into our caves to rejuvenate. Like, y'all don't understand. It's a cruel world out there. (laughs) That's what what Zach always used to say. (laughs) I would just take all of his energy and he had to recharge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You extroverts, like that is that is the worst possibly one that I have met. But y'all extroverts do not do not even comprehend. <laughs> dad, uh, dad is a whole other beast. Like I don't think I am even as extrovert as dad. Because like when dad, dad is like a golden retriever. When he finds another person, he's like, oh my god, other person. Let's talk about everything. <laughs> yeah, dad, dad knows no strangers. <laughs> he really doesn't. He really doesn't. Well, I'm just saying, no, I'm not saying one of them is better or worse than the other, but being one and interacting with the other is a struggle sometimes. Yeah. Well, and I think dad is allowed to be or was socialized to be more of an extrovert because he is a cisgendered, heterosexual, straight, white, well, physically fit I think he, male. So I he can he approach everyone and not feel intimidated because he's this big six foot tall, muscular dude who intimidates people. So, and we have to remind him that a lot of times because he loves babies. He loves playing with little babies and he will go up to moms all the time and be like, oh, baby's so cute. Blah, blah. We're like, dad, you are an intimidating, big, bulky dude. You can't go up to vulnerable women and like take their child from them. That is, they're going to think you're kidnapping them. Like, yeah, you can't fair. do that, dad. I think he also just was an extrovert who grew up on a farm and went a little crazy because he did not get enough social interaction. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely grew up in a very isolating situation and then worked for the rest of his life to not have to ever be isolated again and then kind of wound up isolating himself when i mean we've talked about how when him and mom got married they kind of became each other's world and stopped hanging out with people to an extent and i don't think that was very healthy for him i only had one more thing on my list which i don't know if i even want to include but i'll say it and depending on your reaction we'll see if it gets in but um i i'm not necessarily i'm kind of but also not proud of this but, like, during the last couple of weeks of school, when, like, class just didn't matter and it was two-hour-long classes and I had them back-to-back, so four hours of straight class. But, like, in the last couple of weeks, I discovered that... <laughs> oh, I'm probably not putting this in, but I discovered that I could pull up 
my favorite erotica site on one window and just read porn. And I did masturbate during class a couple of times because I was so bored and it didn't matter. And because I am so unexpressive, even when I get excited, nobody could tell. Were you Uh, on video? Yes. Jen! (laughs) Well, okay, it's like collarbone up, so they can't see anything. And as I said, I'm not expressive, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) And I was, and like in class, it's not like, it's not like you can not pay attention to do something just productive because you have to be kind of paying attention in case they call on you. So like you can't be productive. And so one day I was just like, huh, I know something I could do. I'm not well, I was gonna cool. say I definitely like will take breaks during work and like you know go rub one out yeah. just so I can focus and be because sometimes when I'm at home and like you know nobody's watching and I'm doing work and I get horny I'm like well now I can't well, no, focus and I gotta go take <laughs> care of this so I can focus <laughs> well yeah no I'm like I'm I'm very pro masturbation and you know do it as much as you want I've just it was kind of weird because I was on camera in class, but like nobody that- knew, like nobody knew, and like I wasn't disrupting class, so like it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, I was fine with it until I realized you were on video. Like if it was a Zoom call and no one could see you, whatever. But like the video part is where it's like, uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I guess if nobody could tell, tell. <laughs> uh, oh no. I don't know. Because, like, if you, I don't know, like, so I personally, because what I was about to ask you was, like, if, you know, if you found out there was, like, a dude who was masturbating on camera and, like, But also, like, I'm not masturbating to class. Like, I was masturbating to a different thing. Like, it's not like I was looking at a really cute person on the screen and wanking off. I was literally, like, pulled (laughs) up a separate window and was, like, and, like, I put my volume on the lowest so I could just barely hear it if, like, they said my name, but, like, was not paying attention at all. So, like, we can discuss the ethics of it, but I think it was fine. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It feels not fine, but I can't think of a particular reason why. It's probably, I guess, fine. I can't think of a reason why it's not. It just feels strange, which is, you know, a lot of people's reactions to polyamory, right? Like, when they learn about polyamory, they're like, it feels like it's not fine, but I can't think of a real reason why it isn't. So, I guess it's fine. I'm not 100% set that it was a completely moral thing. I just think, like, it's probably fine. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean... This was... this. It was also something... I took a class sophomore spring about sexual ethics, which is where I discovered polyamory. We did a section on, like, fantasy and, like, the ethics of fantasy. And, like, like is it fan... Like, is it ethical to, like, have a sexual fantasy about someone without their consent? Like... You know, like <laughs> Harry God, Potter. I hope so, because I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, so that's the My thing. My poor neighbor. Like... Oh, I fantasize about that boy all the time. <laughs> he neighbor? has a girlfriend. It will never happen. I have a neighbor who's a really hot actuary, and I fantasize about him a lot. And it'll never happen, because he has a girlfriend. He's a very, very conservative Christian in a monogamous relationship, so nothing will ever happen. But um, in my head. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, no, I just say, like, I don't know. I feel like it's along the similar lines of, like... I don't know. I don't know. It just reminded me of that. Yeah. <laughs> but I think we also did bring it up in like it was a philosophical thing, like an ethical discussion we had, which I was terrible because like as I've mentioned, I can be very I can be very emotionally detached from ideas and just dissect them and not realize that like 
especially debating topics around sex can have like emotional repercussions for people. So I was <laughs> too inexperienced to like ethically be in that class. But we, I remember one of the things they talked about was like, you know, is it ethical for people to like masturbate in public or to like, you know, another scenario, like make eye contact with someone and like be, you know, jacking off in public. And, you know, most people were like, eh, no, but I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know that that is objectively like the moral thing. I think I think in like our society with like the attitudes we have about sex right now, they're like, yeah, that's probably bad. But I mean, like in Jennifer's utopia in her head, where it's a nudist polyamorous commute commune 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 mother got on me again about that i'm just never gonna say it right and y'all just have to accept that um <laughs> but like i don't know in my sex positive polyamorous nudist com 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 i don't even know which is which anymore commune yeah commune yeah. commune then like i don't know and that world like if you're jacking off in public it's like yeah cool do it but you know well yeah and it has to do with like societal views on pleasure because like it's it's taboo because it like feels really i don't i don't know because like well, you can like crack your neck in public and like give yourself a back massage or something and that's not seen as taboo but like pleasuring yourself in a sexual way is like super taboo and it's like because we have these restrictive views on yeah i mean i was thinking more about just like safety for women because i feel like that's you know, true women who see men jacking off in public feel very threatened which yeah. like valid so i feel like in this society maybe it's not great to like advertise well, that. Like cleanliness like when guys ejaculate like yeah. stuff is going everywhere like we can't just let you do that wherever you want like somebody else gonna have to clean that there up baby wipes <laughs> <laughs> there's hand sanitizer <laughs> yeah so that's my confession of the week. If you think of anything else I should clarify, let me know. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, subscribe and leave us a review on your podcast app. If you really like us, like, like, like us, send this episode to a friend, family member, partner, your boss, anyone else in your social circle, the people you want to convert to polyamory, start a conversation. <laughs> Feel free to send us any comments or questions over social media. So thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.